Thank you for joining us for this episode of Build, Hustle, Grow. I'm Baya Deledger, and this week I've chosen a new free downloadable resource for you to build, hustle, and grow even better. It's called How to Craft a Winning Mission Statement. All you have to do to get this free downloadable resource is go to the Black and Good website and then go to the specific page, Mission Statement. So it's blackandgood.com forward slash mission hyphen statement. Now onto the podcast. Over the past 10 years, I have been through the unimaginable when it comes to running my business and helping thousands of other entrepreneurs run their own. I've seen all of the problems that you could possibly experience, or at least most of them. And from that learning, I can help you understand some of the key tenants you should pay attention to when you come to build, hustle and grow your business. Hi, I'm Baya Adelaja and welcome to Build, Hustle, Grow. On this week's episode, we'll be talking about me. Hey, Baya. Hi. <laughs> I'm Lucy Arup. Um, I'm the head of content here at Do It Now Now. And I'm also going to be hosting Founders Series. But today, I'm going to be interviewing Bio to introduce uh, this magnificent person to you guys. So how are you doing today, Bio? I'm doing really well, thank you. I'm having an enjoyable day so far. Nice, nice. It's uh, are you sweating a little bit? It's a little bit hot, right? <laughs> yeah, heat wave, UK heat wave. What, what do you figure? Okay, so let's just jump into it. When did you catch the entrepreneurial spirit? When did you uh, realize that that's what you wanted to do? Um, I don't think that I realized that that I was like quote unquote on an entrepreneur for a very mm. long time. I just thought I was doing fun things mm. that. I thought, oh, that's cool. Like, why don't I do that? Or, oh, that other thing is cool. Like, I did everything from helping my, I helped my pastor write his book, like his very 16. Then I started designing websites for other people at church. Then I designed gift, um, like gift cards and like vouchers and um, flyers. And all of a sudden I had this, I didn't know it at the time, but I basically had a like very small web and graphic design agency. And then like, I, I was just kind of making extra money that way. And then um, I was really curious whenever someone came and sold something at my door. Um, like they, it used to happen a lot more than it does now, but people would just kind of walk up to your door and have a catalog of stuff and say, can you, would you like to buy? And I was just like, that seems really odd and slightly interesting. I want to do that. So I ended up being an Avon salesperson for like a year and was super interested in how you converted people from sample to sale and how long it took and why people made decisions and um I never I barely ever wear makeup and I didn't at the time either I learned to wear makeup so I could sell Avon better and it was just like all of these things I was just really interested in why people did the things that they did Mm. and eventually I started recognizing because people told me I was running a business I started understanding it as that um and eventually I started like thinking of it that way and I couldn't I honestly just my I think my brain works in that in that way of just like how does everything work I want to know and then I want to test it and I think that's what entrepreneurship is really so when did you start do it now now and why did you start do it now now 
Oh, I started Dirt Now Now because, well, I started it in 2016. Um, I think I'd had the idea or just something like bubbling in my mind for about three or four years before that. Um, as, and I started it because I recognized that there were very distinct challenges that I was facing as an entrepreneur. Mm. Um, and there were very, there were a lot of hurdles that I was having to, to climb over that no one around me understood. And then coupled that with the fact that I distinctly saw that there was no infrastructural or systemic support for black entrepreneurs, particularly black social entrepreneurs, mm. um, in the UK as, as was my experience, but then it kind of expanded from if this is happening in the UK, how much, how much worse must it be for someone who's trying to do something good and make a difference in their local community across Africa? And that's kind of how I started thinking about it. It was very much like Dirt Now I was actually called See It, Fix It when it first started. Mm -hmm. Like that was the working title. And it was very much about empowering people who saw a problem to gain the tools and resources that they needed to fix that problem uh, with the idea that if everyone is empowered to make a difference, then surely the world will become a better place quicker than if we relied on governments and large charities and so on to, to do it. So that's why, that's why I started it. Hmm. And um, how have you seen, how have you seen it grow over the last couple of years? Like it seems it, you have lots of different, um, branches i'd say you know you have like tech focus and then you have like the social focus like how have you grown these different pockets of doing now now and was it quite organic it has been it has been very organic um in the sense that a couple of years ago i started thinking of where i wanted it to be in 10 years like what is the big goal um because up until then i'd really just been extremely organic about it and just kind of mm. done whatever the 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 audience the customers the clients the beneficiaries however you want to say people who use our stuff basically I just kind of done whatever they were clamoring for so we ended up in retail for a while we were doing a bunch of stuff in fashion and beauty and all of that stuff um like I said not my forte but it was what the the audience was looking for so we provided um we were doing mass we were just basically doing everything um to see what would fly and what would sink um and in that in that sense, I, I, in chasing everyone's tail of, of like, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? I started recognizing that I was spreading do it now, now much too thinly. And we weren't being known for something. We were just kind of acting. And that isn't sensible in any, uh, in any space. But I think it's, it's something that social entrepreneurs particularly are prone to kind of end up in where it's, it's called um, mission fatigue or mission drift or something, mission creep or something like that where you just end up trying to fix every single person's problem. So what I eventually, um, two years in, did was look at where do we want this to be in 10 years? And in 10 years, um, I've, I've recently realized it's actually a 30-year journey rather than a 10-year journey that I'm on um, with Do It Now Now. But in 10 years, we were very interested to ensure that we have some way of connecting individuals across big pockets to opportunities that will change communities so it's not so much community as in your personal community your local community it's how can we work together to ensure that we are empowering individuals who will go on to hire hundreds of people in 10 years time from when we start working with them and that's particularly the africa story that we're working on with tech um but then how do we ensure that uh 
we are creating opportunities for leaders to spring up uh, so that we're parlaying the information that we have so that people can gain opportunity and position within their geographic community so that they can be the voices of the black people where they are. Um, and they can be invited to local council meetings and, and governmental meetings and all of that stuff. Our big mandate is to ensure that we are empowering black people everywhere so that black people can take seats of power, so that black people can be um, be seen and excuse me, be seen and heard in spaces that we're typically shut out of. And that doesn't happen if it's just us. So it's really about ensuring that we have a really strong, stable ecosystem to pull from. And so with that kind of distilling or shaving down process of, you know, you're not so much involved in retail or, you know, makeup or fashion anymore. It's like these very clear yeah, clear um, pathways of what DIN or do yeah. it now now. DIN for short, guys. Uh <laughs> is. <laughs> sure. So um it kind of took the form of in terms of like where do we want to be, what impact do we want to be creating? It no longer made sense to be like, oh, we focus on retail entrepreneurs. It was it came to be that we said we started saying we are empowering people in entrepreneurship, leadership and activism. Whether you did that through retail, through catering, through mm. Um, social entrepreneurship through tech through anything we were empowering you through training in entrepreneurship leadership and activism um and then the face of that are different initiatives like black and good like my moon landing like afritech xyz like um the other stuff that we've got down coming up in the next couple of years um and all the other things that we'd like to be doing that we haven't had the chance to do um the core of everything I honestly personally think everything pretty much does the same thing just in a different package and that's entirely deliberate because you need to market to a specific group of people to get them involved so while it can look like we're doing a lot we are um, but what we're doing all has that undercurrent of entrepreneurship leadership activism mm-hmm. and so what is uh, doing Nano's presence in Africa because um, you're based in London and a lot of your doers are mm-hmm. based in London too. So what is what does Do It Now's presence in Africa look like? Uh, so between 2017 and 2018, I moved moved to Nigeria with the premise that um, with the thought process that we would be able to move Do It Now Now operations to Nigeria and then expand physical our physical presence across Africa. Um, and that I went with the best of intentions and I recognize that though, I mean, intentions aren't everything, practicalities accounts for quite a lot. And unfortunately we weren't the right organization to be physically based there. And I say that because across Africa, there are 642 tech hubs currently existing in London. There are. 1,842 tech hubs. Um, So that vast difference kind of made me think, oh, we're not necessarily, like, even if we do have all this physical presence, the barrier to entry, the level of infrastructural support, the money, all of that stuff that we would need to just get things off the ground is, would be, is astronomical compared to the resources that we have available to us. And there are so many incredible organizations already on the ground trying to fix those problems 
that when we came over and started talking about like this is what we do this is what we do how can we help they all kind of in one way or another not accusatorily or condemningly but just kind of said the same thing it would be much more helpful if you were based over there and helping negotiate partnerships and resources for us over here because unfortunately the majority of like the facebook lead the ASOS, not ASOS, excuse me, the Facebook lead, the um, Google lead, most of them are based for Africa, are based in London. So us being in London means that we have much more access to them, much much more direct access. And then we partner with the hubs that are on the ground to make that access a little bit more plain. Mm. So I'm just going to go back to you now. (laughs) So um, I did a bit of research, a bit of stalking (laughs) on you. And so you did a um, BA in mm-hmm. English literature, right, at Durham. Mm-hmm. And then you went on to do a master's in uh, culture and society at London School of Economics. Do It Now, and I was kind of turned into this very, like, goal-driven business tech kind of um, mm-hmm. entity. So where did that spark? Like, how did you get passionate about that industry? Um, so remember I said I, I didn't know I was running a business until someone yeah. told me I was running a business <laughs> yeah um at university I started a tech startup and didn't recognize it was a tech startup right I was just doing something that built a community online and helped people access information and resources that they couldn't get otherwise which is basically what we still do with don't know now um but I just didn't know that it was it was couched in those words and those terms and that the kind of light coding that I was doing or whatever I was doing at the time was considered what a tech person would be doing I was just doing stuff that made sense to me and testing things out like I always did um so it's not necessarily new or like out of the blue it's just that I mean my English literature degree meant that I was I was in lectures for four hours a week I had a lot of time to do nothing and I just ended up building this um what I now recognize was a tech startup while I was at uni and um I I always think that tech is an enabler for community. It's an enabler for resource. It's an enabler for connection uh, rather than a replacement of all those things. And while like as technology has developed, we sought to include much more uh, technology in all of the things that we do with like AI and machine learning and automation and all of those things being light parts of the work that we do. Um, the front facing side of it always looks and feels and should do it feels very manual it feels very personable um, and it feels very human and that's that's a large part of what we're doing so the back end of it is very techy and will continue to transition into like being hard tech but um, for right now I um, it's it's still very much uh, it should feel like a people company and that's very much what we're trying to build what uh has been your biggest learning curve on that journey of building do it now now from you know your you know entrepreneurship uh projects in uni from where you are now like what has been like a defining learning moment for you um i relearn this quite a lot i think i relearn it every year but the biggest thing that I've learned is no matter how nice you are to people, you cannot stop a person from screwing you over. <laughs> true. <laughs> That's true. Well, no matter what you do, if a person is determined to screw you over, they yeah. will. Um, and I used to think I take it. We I used to take it to heart, and I hope this is my last time learning it. This recent time that's happened, 
but now I, I think I'm much more I, I get less uh, less offended less um less irritated and I, I see it less as a as, as like a um uh a, like a, a a telling or or um or like a, a, a kind of an assessment of my own character to have been fooled mm. by a person um but it's just people can be dicks and that's okay how have you gone forward after those experiences do you still are you cautious or do you just be like no I'm I'm gonna try and do this anyway and if they screw me over that's that's on them and I can pick myself up and go forward like how did Mm. you learn from that how did you go forward from that I mean I think it's kind of evolved over the years which is why I I said I hope it's my last time of having to learn this because Mm. I think I've kind of gotten to a place where I am in a I I can just kind of let it roll off like water off a duck's back or whatever that saying is and keep it moving but um the uh, the reason I didn't start doing it now now for three or four years despite having the idea for it and like knowing that this is something I wanted to do was because someone had screwed me over so badly that I didn't want to do anything business related ever again Mm. um so that that first time it was like nope not doing this I don't care I'm never gonna be a business person ever again I'm never gonna like pay attention to this inclination that I have to try and fix things um and then the second time it happened I I was less I was I was heartbroken for a very long time and I kind of just shrunk back a little bit um but the third time I was kind of really determined to ensure that it didn't affect me and that Mm. I would keep going because I didn't want to I didn't want to end up in a place where I felt like someone had taken my mission away from me um, or that I had quit something that I am so passionate about because of someone else. Like I wanted it to, I wanted to still be me and being me, I do things quite differently than many people um, in that I always give everyone my best. I don't think, I don't think you should ever be the type of person that, um, uh that uh how do we say um is manipulative i don't like manipulative people not that you can really tell if most people when most people are manipulating you but for me if i think i'm being manipulative that's the that's the most hateful part of myself i really don't like it um so i give everyone my transparent best like if if i say i can't afford this and i can't afford it it's not because i'm like ooh. it's literally i can't afford it if i give you a price that is the price I'm not going up I'm not going down if I have like messed up on my pricing and I am undercharging you that is a like I will ride that contract out until the end because that is what I promised I won't suddenly like shrink back and start doing less I always over deliver um I like that is my nature I'm always ready to give you my absolute best so if you meet me um with honesty and integrity then I'm going to be with you for the rest of my life because that's the type of person I am but if I see you kind of thinking that I'm some kind of idiot (laughs) for giving you my best and you are Mm. not giving me anything or giving me very little then that's that that's when I start shrinking back from people and for better or for worse I am also the sort of person that once I know that that's who you are it does my mind never gets changed about you so there are many relationships over the years that I've just like cut off and I don't think it's wrong to cut off relationships anyway. Um, but I, I, I kind of work on that premise that I need to be the best version of myself and I need to surround myself with the best version um, with the, with people who are also seeking 
to provide the best versions of themselves mm. and once um and it's just like a forward journey from there but there is there are disruptions and people sometimes kind of reach their limit of like where they are and stresses in their lives think make them think that they can take advantage of you and um at that point that's when I start uh, I start sidestepping mm. so would you describe yourself as an optimist um yeah, I am an optimist, a hundred percent. Um, but I'm not. Uh, I'm not a. I'm not an ignorant optimist. Mm. I am. Uh, I'm an optimist until you stop. Until you do something to make me feel like maybe <laughs> this isn't. A, this isn't an optimum relationship. Yeah. I mean, I think it does kind of add an extra layer of skin once yeah. you survived something like that. Yeah. Um, but I do think. Um, like I well back to the optimism realism thing i do give people chances like i don't want it to yeah. sound like yeah. you do a little thing and then i'm off <laughs> it's like no i give people chances and i kind of transition people as well because i like over to okay maybe we're not doing this anymore we're not doing like whatever it might be like i think kindness is important because um i i also give people like the benefit of the doubt like um i i recently got screwed over quite massively by someone and it was like okay I'm just gonna assume like I'm just gonna look for the for the like context clues as to why this is the best situation for you and try and be kind about it <laughs> um, yeah but I think uh I think it's really about figuring out how the heck all of us can survive in this space that is smaller than you would think with much less money than you would think and um and can keep going together because none of us are going to solve uh and like everybody's problem especially social entrepreneurs and charities no one no one organization is going to fix the world so kind of having everyone be healthy and happy and their organizations uh just as much so so that we can all kind of work together and ensure that we're all surviving and existing mm. well together that's very important to me mm. So how what what is a doer to you? Like what is your definition definition of a doer? Um oh well I mean for me doers are generalists, people that kind of have this willingness to learn and move and shape and kind of shape things and keep innovating. I think um people that are interested in in kind of remaking the world are doers. I quite mm. like that idea of like um people that don't just talk about it but start thinking about ways to fix it and then actually go and do a couple of those things um that's that's a doer to me the name do it now now I remember when I met you and you were like oh you know my organization is called do it now I just thought that was the coolest thing I think often distraction or lack of confidence or procrastination you know can I do this I'll just I'll just wait till everything's perfect and have all my ducks in a row and and when I just heard do it now now like, that's just perfect I mean does that act as a kind of mantra for you or do you are you at the point now where you kind of don't need a mantra or or just having that name does it inspire you like on your daily mission I it did at first like it was it absolutely 100% did at first because I needed it I needed I needed that cheer and it kind of became a cheer between me and my friends um, that just encouraged me to keep going because now it's, it's kind of fun to think there were those friends that were there 
the very first day that I presented uh, Do It Now Now to them because I invited all of my friends. I think I invited like 30 people and seven people um, actually made it that evening. And I still don't know why I invited 30 people because I only had six chairs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's not optimistic. (laughs) (laughs) So I was sitting on the floor actually and um, someone else sat on the like arm of a chair of like the sofa um and uh and we all just I kind of just sat down on the floor and I had all of these pieces of paper and I talked to them through everything that I was planning and I ended it with this is what I'm going to dedicate my life to um and it was scary it was very scary um but those people saw me from the very very beginning and now they've seen where I've come like all of the things all the like the awards, the whatever, all of that stuff, they've seen it, like, step by step, day in, day out, they've seen it move. And while it no longer is, a, is like, a big, like, do it now, now isn't something that kind of resonates in my head as, like, a, you can do it, you can do it, come on, move, 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 as it did in the beginning, now it's kind of a lovely, nostalgic feeling that I get when I hear those words, because... I remember the kid that I was mm. when I first started sitting on that floor talking to my friends about the thing that I was going to dedicate my life to. Mm. Um, and it makes me happy that I've stuck it out. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was, you know, as I was preparing for this interview, I, I looked on my bookshelf and there's this Ram Dass book, Be Here Now. And then that mm-hmm. reminded me of the Eckhart Tolle book, um, The Power of Now. Mm-hmm. And like your name, Do It Now Now, you know, we have all these reminders almost to keep us in the present moment. Again, mm-hmm. like, you know, talking about this, this culture of distraction, social media, like scroll, the infinite scroll, you know, mm-hmm. all of that stuff. How do you keep connected to the present moment? I mean, honestly, I think I'm not, I'm no longer as good at that as I used to be. I'm now much more focused on the future. Mm. And I think the Do It Now I was transitioning to be a lot more future focused um, as well in our language. But I think I am, I'm kind of one foot in the future, one foot in the the present, never in the past. Mm. Um, And I think, honestly, I try my best to ensure that I see the long game of like, this is a 30 year journey. I fully understand that. So getting frustrated today with not being where I want to be in 30 years is not helpful, Mm. but being help, but being thankful for today, recognizing today's challenges, fixing today's problems and trusting that next week, next month, next year, things will be a heck of a lot better than they are now. Um, This problem today won't be a problem tomorrow kind of thing. Um, That's kind of, I think the way that I stay in the present because it's it's if you don't focus on the present you're never gonna get into the future Mm. because if you focus entirely on the future you won't fix any of the things that you need to fix right now Mm. or you won't actually plan and actually put things in place to ensure that you can make it to that future so i'm in the i'm in kind of in the headspace where i'm like okay let's do like today's today and tomorrow's tomorrow but at the same time I know where I'm going and that's very helpful to me because for Mm. a few years there I wasn't sure where this was going to go I was just like I remember doing the Beyonce thing where she was like at 30 I'm going to retire she said it at like 18 or something (laughs) 
And I was like, at 35, I'm going to reevaluate whether or not I want to do this for the rest of my life. And I was thinking about that the other day. I'm like, girl, 35 ain't that far. Like, heck. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. You know, you you look at all these like really rigid, uh, you know, timelines one gives to themselves when they're like, you know, 1920 is like by this mm-hmm. age this and it's just like okay it, if yeah. that happens good for you you know <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy for you but at the same time like you know it's it's a journey right mm-hmm. and it's like there's gonna be ups it's cheesy but there's gonna be ups and downs and you just really just have to ride the wave and if you're you know yeah. if you keep your end goal in sight like that will pull, pull you through I guess in a way absolutely um and I think honestly the thing that's probably kept me sane the most out of anything is I don't know what how I came to this realization but it probably is the the mantra of my life um which is the person you are is so much more important than whatever you do whatever yeah. you achieve ever um like it's all I I always feel like the person I am is always more important um and that's I think why I end up with like things of like don't manipulate the situation be honest be transparent because the person I am will always transcend anything Mm. um and so when I'm going through like the trials and tribulations of this life which are many (laughs) and frequent and like fast moving um it's it's like I I kind of praise and myself on um or like hold myself to standards of my ability to go through it mm. um and come out the other side rather than like winning this or winning that it's always very much like I'm very intro um, introspective about everything uh that we that we do that we're going through um. And I tried my best not to see Do It Now Now as me or kind of any kind of facet of my being. It's it's kind of the thing that I'm doing, but it's not who I am. And that helps me kind of make the separation of who I am right now and who I will be in 10 years, who I will be in 20 years, who I'll be in 30 years. Mm. And just kind of being hopeful that I'll become a better person uh, and a much sta- more stable person and a person that can be a lot more have a lot more capacity to to give back and contribute to um to communities and kind of use the experiences that I've had to help other people um that's very much the the core of my being and uh it, it helps to kind of de- delineate between the future of do it now now and my future as a human being and my present state and do it now now's present state um because that helps that that dis- that distinction is my sanity that kind of reflects a strong sense of self that strong sense of self always brings you back to you know it it feeds you it re-energizes you so how how do you how did you develop your strong sense of self being you know a well-rounded human being is more important than x like how did you realize that above all like that is the most important thing oh um well, for me, honestly, all of my personality is based on Christianity. Mm. Like that is the core of my of my entire ideology of self. Did um, you grow up in a in a religious background? 
religious but not spiritual if that's mm. if that's early. yeah in the sense that we we went to church and my mum my mum was is like a prayer warrior um like um but I realized that I was performative with my Christianity like I was just kind of like someone who went to church and was and like sang songs and clapped when you were supposed to clap and shouted when you were supposed to shout that was a good Christian to me that wasn't I wasn't like I didn't actually have anything that I truly believed about it um I I didn't know that about myself until I was about 16 Mm. and then I realized oh crap I don't actually know that I believe any of this stuff I like I don't I don't think I act like I believe any of it I just act like a good person on the outside but on the inside I'm broken and I'm I feel wrong and and I feel cruel and I was I was bullied for a lot of my life like quite badly bullied for a lot of my life and I just had no sense of self-worth and kind of believing starting to really do the work and read and believe that I'm worth that I was created um that I was chosen that there is a plan and a purpose for my life all of that stuff was the building was the is the foundation of my belief system that I am worth something um I still struggle with being like my self-worth and what that means um but at the end of the day my my ability to kind of stand firm knowing that who I am is much more important than what I do comes from the fact that I know that no matter what I'm doing in this life it's all for a larger purpose of serving people and um if we kind of if we kind of move down that road of like just doing what feels the best in service of other people and obviously yourself you shouldn't sacrifice yourself for the, in the service of other people mm. but if it keep, if I keep going down that route of doing whatever, like using the resources, the knowledge and the tools that I have available to me to ensure that I'm contributing to the betterment of the people around me and society at large, then I'm always going to feel good about myself. Mm. And um, if I know that I'm giving my best, which is why I have all those things of give your best, do your best, make sure you're not screwing people over, don't be manipulative, don't do this, don't do that, like be a good person. It's like it's useful for other people because it means I'm not screwing them over. But honestly like the self-hate train that comes when I feel like I'm being a bad person is so real to me that I can't afford to indulge in bad behavior mm. because I just don't let myself on the hook, off the hook if I do. Mm. And what has been, you know, going forward, what has been uh, the feedback from those involved in Do It Now Now, like the participants and, and how does, has that also um, created the the kind of, fed the creativity and vision going forward oh absolutely yeah everything starts with with um our beneficiaries like unfortunately there's very little data out there and hopefully we're going to be part of the solution to that soon with our research um hopefully launching don't hold me to it money needs (laughs) to be a thing first but the intention is there um but uh like there is very very little data uh, available on the experience of black people um, and the needs of black people in any sphere of life um, so it's very very difficult to kind of make judgments without talking to black people about what we need so everything that we've done has had to come directly from um, observing the behaviors and listening actively and asking the right questions um, to ensure that we're developing the right initiatives 
um it can all, all like because there's there is no objective way of knowing that you're going in the right direction until you see whether or not people are vibing with it if people are not vibing with it after you've done all the work that is heartbreaking <laughs> mm. but, but because we don't we don't launch anything willy-nilly like everything is couched in a full understanding that this is something that's needed um that we're we're adding to the conversation we're not just remaking the wheel and trying to be the number one in the space for no reason um like we're adding to something and that people need what we're providing as opposed to whatever is whatever else is out there that's when we start like moving in that direction it's not so much um, oh, I want to do this and therefore I'm doing it. I think um, there's a level of vanity that's in that that kind of mindset that we don't always recognize. And I used to do that early. Um, it was just, oh, I want to do this and therefore I'm doing it. Well, I mean, do, you, do people actually want it? Are they Do they want it in the way that you're talking about it? Um, all of that stuff is really like those practices of like listening and asking have been really very helpful and very, very important. Mm. So I'm going to uh, read you a quote you once said. Um, yeah, I found this uh, whilst again I was stalking you last night. <laughs> so I came to my own self-realization and I asked, what problem exactly am I trying to solve? The fact that people in Africa or of African descent do not necessarily have the ability to provide their best selves to the world. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of almost your problem statement right and like Mm -hmm. how how are you trying to solve that like how are you helping african people or people of african descent bring their best selves into the world okay um i'll link this back to the present and future question that you asked um earlier and i like my thought that we're moving more into being future focused Mm. um like when we first started do it now now was about like what what is the problem that you're seeing today and let's fix it today like it was a very short term like um we can teach you how to build a business you can build that business you can solve this problem for the people around you that you have access to good for you great um and the idea was that if enough of us did that we'd be able to solve every problem in an like urgent problem that's going the problem with that uh kind of thought process is that it doesn't see black people in the future like it doesn't actually give space for black people to exist in the future and create the future and I st- so I started reading up on theories of Afrofuturism a couple of years ago and just like looking at creativity and looking at the effect of um, like the older generations that exist today, how the effect of lack of representation in science fiction, for instance, affected their belief system of what the future could look like and their placements in it. And I was just like, I want us to be part of that conversation of ensuring that we can empower people in our own communities to create the future rather than just fix what's happening today um and being bringing your best self to a space i mean that there's an another quote that i've that I, there's another thing that i've said that i've been quoted a couple of times now i think or i at least i it's one of the things that i've said that was like oh that's a good one <laughs> and i remember it for myself but um it's uh it's basically um I believe that the people that are going to that are go- that have the opportunity and the ideas to make the most positive impacts in the world are currently living lives so difficult that they can't they do not have the headspace and time to bring those opportunities and ideas to life or mm-hmm. something along those lines anyway. 
And the idea of being your best self means that you're, you've gotten the opportunity to become that person, to become that full person. I mean, if you think of like Gwyneth Paltrow and Goop um, and all of the stuff that she's doing, imagine being so, so privileged and rich. That all you have to think about in life is how to become happier. Mm. Like that's the, that's the level of, of stability, of privilege that I want for black people around the world. Like to think that we just, we finally have a level playing field where we have the family background that means that we're confident as kids. We have the educational background that means that we can get a good job. We have the um, leadership skills that means that we can lead companies, lead organizations, lead departments. We have the mental health stability that means that we can help other people and we can be a, a change in our own communities. Like I, that's those are the kinds of things that I want us to be able to support people in getting so that we can kind of get to a place where we're all as as a as a collective community and, and and as individuals that exist within it fully formed human beings that we can all bring our best selves to the table because we don't have the drawbacks of like um in america mass incarceration of men that leaves kids without dads who then don't have a a a, a, a strong father figure to learn from i mean that's important uh, it's just like there's so many things that just kind of knock us back and knock us back and knock us back some more that then we're not able to bring our best selves to the table. And when we don't, we can't contribute to the future because we're so, con we're so needing, we need so much to fix what we're, to just try and we're fighting so hard to just kind of find that level playing field that we can't even, that we can't then try and even see what will the future look like? What is the next generation going to have to experience? Mm. Because we're so focused on today. And going forward, forward, what do you hope from this Build, Hustle, Grow podcast season, uh, season series? How, what, what is your goal your, in these uh, episodes to bring forth to the community? I mean, I have literally gone through everything and I'm grateful for those experiences because it means that I can counsel people through those similar situations and I've just learned so many lessons and again I think the importance of going through things is that you then tell people about it so they don't have to go through it they can just learn from your experiences and then take those lessons and apply them um, so that's what I want for this Build Hustle Growth um, series I want it to be a place where I can share what I've experienced the lessons that I've learned and a number of topics and uh, for you to, as listeners to be able to take that information and obviously with a pinch of salt because it's based on my own experiences but also coaching so many entrepreneurs and training so many entrepreneurs it's based on that information as well but um, take it and then see how you can apply that knowledge to your own circumstances um, because at the end of the day if we can't if we can't learn from others effectively especially considering the context of blackness and the challenges that blackness brings in a workspace and an entrepreneurship space and so on and so forth. I mean, it's very difficult to find information as to how to, how to tackle the real life issues that come with building a business. I mean, not for nothing. My mom still in almost every conversation tells me to do it now, now and go get a job. <sighs> not because she doesn't think it's useful or anything, but because she's so, like, 
she's so stressed out that I'm constantly stressed that she's like no 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 just go and work for someone else get her like just get paid well live a nice life live for a holiday kind of thing and that's not my that's not my like um that's not my way that's not who I am and there's so many people that don't have supportive families or friends that understand what it is and having someone like me who is has gone through all of that and is still here is still able to kind of share those stories and is still able to survive through it hopefully will be useful as kind of like a point of reference that if bio is doing it I can do it too because I mean she doesn't have five heads and three arms Mm. and because honestly that's what helped me through a lot of things like if they can do it why can't I do it yeah okay bio I think uh I think we are well over a half an hour (laughs) (laughs) but this talk was enlightening and inspiring and thank you for bringing me on board this uh do it now in our journey and thank you for sharing your time with me today um I'll let you close up like this is your this is your platform so I'll let you uh thank you say goodbye Um, yeah thank you so much for listening I hope uh I hope this has been a useful insight into who I am and the type of stuff that I do and and will be talking about throughout this uh throughout this uh, season of build hustle grow um do tell your friends uh subscribe and all of those youtuber podcaster type things and um i hope to i hope to hear from you in the messages and so on and so forth this outro will become better over time (laughs) bye